Yeah, let's do it. What's this? Another episode of Nothing to Fear? It's happening. It's not your regular Monday morning listen, friends, if you're listening to the day it releases. This is a very special edition of Nothing to Fear, a bonus episode, you might say. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I like how that entire intro is catered to the specific people who listen on a, right on release. Well, listen, if you're not listening day of, you're missing out on good stuff because every week it's on the charts. I actually delete a random 30 second chunk of the episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Got to listen on release then. Wow. You got to listen on release or you miss out. Good to know. <laughs> well, for everybody listening, welcome. This is Nothing to Fear, a weekly and sometimes more than weekly podcast about horror movies and cell phone notifications <laughs> the text is coming from inside the pants it's yours t- <laughs> i know <laughs> oh, my popular. name is billy schultz i'm your host and i'm joined as always by my two great friends alex Wan. hello hey and Luke Mason, hello. You've already heard me. <laughs> You've already heard him. Uh, yes, listeners, if you're wondering, did I just get a message? No, Luke did. <laughs> Who's it? It's surprising. You might have to point it out. Who's it from, Luke? Actually, that's a good lead-in. It's from my friend Danica. Oh. And her birthday happens to be what day? Well, if I remember correctly, you said November 13th? November 13th. Well, what about that? Isn't that... This day, that if is, you're one of the people who's Billy's talking about listening that is to today, it right now. Yes, this is d- November 13th, and it is also a Friday if you're listening to it. And there are a great series of movies that come out around the day of Friday the 13th. I am talking, of course, about Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sycamore of those movies. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> No, no, no. We are we are going to be watching the very first entry into that Jason Voorhees franchise, The Nightmare. Nope. <laughs> Friday the 13th. There it is. I nailed it. The first time was a joke. The second time, it was me having brain am- amnesia. Yes. Well, yep. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Mm. What do we know about this movie, friends? This is a huge one. This is like a pillar of horror. Yeah, I love how for a bonus episode, we're doing like one of the top 20 most famous horror movies of all time. Yeah. Probably, so. And it's very specifically on a calendar date. <laughs> that <laughs> yes. doesn't come around very often. Yeah, true. Do you think it came out on a Friday the 13th? There's no way to find out. Oh, oh yeah. There's no way. Okay. Well, we'll just say it did. But, you know, I, 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 I hope so. 1980 was on this movie. did come out, so. Okay, Are you sure it wasn't 1979? <laughs> no, that was how I... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, was it? That is a year <laughs> off, which is right about where I usually am. Uh-huh. We're, we're hit. Is this the law of averages? So a lot of averages, Luke just says every year, every time he guesses a year, and I edit in either the right one or one that's one to either side. Right. Nice. It takes yes. a long time. How do I know that this is a classic horror film? I remember that there is a big twist in this yeah. movie, but I don't really totally remember what it is, although I can kind of have you, just from YouTube. Have you seen it before? No, never seen it. I'm very excited. I hope it's like Halloween and not like, Halloween 2, or... <laughs> no, that would be Friday the 14th. Yeah. <laughs> or I, Saturday the 14th. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope it's more like The Thing and not so much like Carrie. <laughs> you know, just... Well, the dialogue. You know, I'm always a little bit like, hmm, what are these old mo- horror movies? What uh, kind of stupid thing are the characters going to do in this movie? So maybe there'll be a surprising mm. new stupid thing that a character does. We can but, always be surprised by stupid things characters do. Right. <laughs> but I do know that there's also a lot of camp setting. In this film, so mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. You love camp. Yeah, I love, you camp. love camp. What about you, Alex? What do you know about Friday the Thirteenth? Yeah, I know it's one of the classics. I've never seen it myself. I know Jason Voorhees is in it, and he wears the hockey mask, and it's a slasher with teens. I'm guessing. Yep. That's really all I know. I know. I know Jason is a very iconic character, and you know appears in lots of different media and crossovers with things. And I just wanted to say, there's this band called the Menzingers and they have this song called, I don't want to be an asshole anymore. The music video is, it's so funny. We, we should watch this later. It's about three <laughs> minutes and it's, it's the point of view of Jason and he just doesn't want to be a murderous killer anymore. So he's reading like self-help books and lift, lifting weights and trying to, has a, has a Tinder profile, things like that. And he's trying to, you know, integrate with society. What's the name of the band again? The Menzingers. The Menzingers. I feel like part of the problem with Jason Voorhees is that he's not actually self-reflective. I think he's like impossible to be reasoned with or even talked to. Well, yeah, he's not. In a Michael Myers sense, so. (laughs) He's not reflective. He has no mirrors covering him. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) 
So I feel like, I mean, maybe one day we'll do Freddy versus Jason, but I feel like that's going to be a really one-sided conversation in that movie. So. Well, yeah. I also know that this is a sprawling franchise with at least 10 sequels. It is one that is always mentioned in horror movies. Yeah, Jason, Jason Voorhees is an iconic villain. And I think I know what the twist is that you're talking about, Luke, because it has been talked about so much. It has been around... For so much, this is, you know, I guess the 40th anniversary this year. Wow, that's um, surprising. Kind of like a uh, Halloween two yeah. years ago. <gasps> <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> you're right. Yes, but it's it's got a legacy behind it, and I know that Jason Voorhees has been everywhere from hell to Manhattan to outer space to all over the place. So. Was he in one of the Sharknados? Probably. I feel like that's got to be his next Eventually, location. Jason versus Sharknado. I would watch <laughs> yeah, the hell out of that, that movie. Would, that would be, so, <laughs> that so would be the ultimate drinking game it's movie. Like, there's this another Sharknado. We only have one way to stop it. Jason Voorhees. <laughs> and he like, and he's a good guy this time? He spins around. He's the Jasonado. And he spins around <laughs> with his machete. And so it's like a, a, a typhoon of sharks meeting a typhoon of Jason. Oh, the chaos. Do you think Jason Voorhees would win or Danny Trejo playing Machete would win. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I don't know. We'd have to have. We should have a podcast about that one day. A, just, bon- a bonus episode on who would win pop culture fights. Just horror movie, horror movie showdowns or something. Oh, so yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. I'm excited. And you haven't seen it either. I have not seen okay. this movie, but awesome. I feel like I've seen enough pop culture that there'll be so many scenes where I go, "Oh, that's from okay." Ah, uh, right. Treehouse of Horrors Part Like Seven. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah okay everything has has parodied this movie so i can't wait to watch it i'm really really excited to finally get this one under the belt i honestly at this point don't think it will be scary (laughs) yeah i know it's a horror movie i don't think i'm gonna be scared knowing what we know about horror movies now after watching i would say we've watched enough horror movies that we know about the genre we're familiar about it and knowing that it's a movie from 1980 it probably won't be scary i'm i'm hoping it'll give me like the the heebie-jeebies that Texas Chainsaw gave me, mm. but I don't think it'll be scary. Yeah, I think it's more of an inclusion into our cultural toolkit and maybe some motifs or like tropes that we haven't seen in others, but I'm not. I mean, we did Evil Dead. I can't be scared anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the mechanism has been broken. <laughs> but I love it. To tie it back to the very beginning, yes, Friday, November 13th is my friend, dear friend Danica's birthday. And so I want to give a big happy birthday to you, Danica. Yes, happy birthday, Danica. And as a present to you, I'm going to read out to everyone a joke you texted me today. <laughs> on air. <laughs> yeah, on air. How do hillbillies celebrate Halloween? Pump can. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> all right so we're let's, gonna, thank you dad let's watch this damn movie that was watch, a good joke we're gonna watch this movie we are going to spoil this movie so if you haven't seen it i mean it's 40 years old you should have seen it if you're going to Who, what are you podcast hosts <laughs> <laughs> but suck on that alex <laughs> got him there there is going to be spoilers once we come back from the trailer break and as usual if you're worried about the triggering moments coming forth do check out doesthedogdie.com to find out all your spooks and scares before they happen so you can be prepared. And catch you in one and a half to 2.75 minutes. Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One.
And I'm going to read you a little bitty synopsis about it. I'm reading this ice cold. I have not pre-read it. So here's hoping it's not Wait, wait, terrible. wait, wait, wait. You pre-read your summaries? Never. To, before you read them? I'm doing it. I'm taking okay. it. I'm taking this, taking this in. Friday the 13th is a 1980 American slasher film produced and directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Its plot follows a group of teenage camp counselors who are murdered one by one by an unknown killer while attempting to reopen an abandoned summer camp. Yeah? So it was, sorry, it was directed and produced by Sean S. Cunningham? Yeah, so he paid to make his own movie. But at least he didn't write it. No, it was written by Victor Miller. Oh, okay. Well, so it's not totally Sean S. Cunningham's fault then. (laughs) Well, spoiler alert for how you really feel about this movie. (laughs) Well, to quote myself at the end of the movie, this movie fucking sucked. <laughs> I love when you quote yourself, Alex. <laughs> he's so quotable. Yeah, he's very quotable. No, I yeah. think the line that we go with is, fuck you, movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. my bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, like, right off the bat, th- those are our reactions Alex to this. Alex didn't like it. I was hopeful. I'm always hopeful that these movies are going to be better but yeah let's i'll just dive into my hot take my first or my my initial thoughts after reviewing Mm. was this movie was a big hot mess that seemed like it was a bunch of sketches of people getting murdered and some of them they forgot to turn the camera on because they're off screen and then you get all of the exposition developed at minute 90 of the film by the killer and before that you're just like i don't know what's happening why do i care about these people being killed yeah, I mean, I didn't like this movie too much either, but even more, I think, than it being bad, it's just lazy. This feels like a really lazy movie with lazy kills and lazy buildup and un, un, like the kills themselves, since some of them are off screen, you're just feeling un, underwhelmed. It's a very underwhelming movie. I think that in forty the 40 years since... It's moved on. The slasher genre has upped its subtlety, if you can call a movie where people get slashed. You know, it upped its craft and upped its technique so much that, you know, maybe if we were watching this in the theaters in 1980, yeah, it could be really scary because there's nothing really else like it. Although I know Texas Chainsaw Massacre came up before this. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was way better than this movie. And even Halloween came up before. Never mind. I take it back. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Fuck you, movie. This, yeah. This movie, okay, to build on that, not only was it lazy, I found it boring. I found this movie boring, and I know that it was boring because I talked so much in this movie. <laughs> I normally, out of the three of you, I talk the least amount during the movie because I'm like, I gotta, I gotta look but at the details. But today you had lots to say. I, I, I gotta look at the details. I gotta find out what happens. Like, oh no, Luke, don't go into the kitchen. You're gonna miss some ex- important expositional plot. Didn't, didn't nope, miss any. Nope. I was you bored. You missed that whole plot where Annie was talking to a dog. Oh, right. Come on. Bow wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I was bored in this movie. It was, I think if we think about our before the trailer chats, we're all excited to see Jason Voorhees, <laughs> see the hockey mask. That is, ah, the, yes. that is the icon of Friday the 13th. That is what, it's the archetyp, archetypal villain. We talked about it so much. Jason Voorhees not appearing in the film. I mean, he, he, he had one a, scene. Yeah. He had two scenes. Oh, two scenes, yeah. yeah. But, but one was a flashback. We didn't get to see... Any of the stuff that makes him the Jason Voorhees that we know and are inter- I I am personally interested in knowing about in 2020. Maybe, maybe this is one of those Freaky Friday movies where it's the opposite, where the first one was bad and all the sequels are better. Is that Freaky Friday? I don't know. Uh, well, it like couldn't a... be worse. 
Yeah. So. I mean, it could be. Maybe Friday the 13th, the second, doesn't have Jason, period. The, the problem, okay, like, realistically, I think this movie suffered from the fact that there was nothing to compel us into the life of the characters who were dying. Yes. yes. And that the kills themselves, maybe two of them were cool, but we only saw one, really. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just... It was, it, it was it, like even it was edited together like the movie was paced and put together in a way that was so uncompelling oh this kind of weird thing's happening over there and why i i didn't understand why i was supposed to care about any of the things that were happening so, so my my thing that i had with this movie was the tension was being built because we knew that something was stalking these counselors we knew that people were getting picked off one by one, but the tension wasn't being similarly built for the other counselors. Right. Right. Yeah. We just, we see random counselor who sees something in a, a abandoned building and he goes to check it out. And we're like, Oh, that's really bad. But nobody's, nobody's like, Hey, where's Ned? Oh my God. Ned hasn't been missing. What? Now Marcy's gone too. Nobody is reacting in such a way that, they're wondering why their friends aren't around. It's always just, okay, Marcy got killed, and now we don't worry about Marcy anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't even see her. We don't get a reveal of someone discovering her body. There's so many points where, you know, we, we watch in this movie where someone goes into a building where a kill has happened, either off screen or on screen, and we're like, oh, she's going to mm. discover it. No, never mind. She just goes back to her cabin. You know, and in a way okay. that could be realistic in one sense. Yeah, if you're separated, you're not immediately going to think everyone not around you is in total danger. True. Right? But I think also... It makes be... for a boring horror yeah, movie. Yeah, well, it also, it's it's just like this, in a sense, this is a pure slasher movie. Yeah, there's in, no horror in this. In we don't know why anything's happening. Especially like if you were an audience in 1980 watching this movie, you'd have no idea why any of this is happening. So it's just people dying until the end of the movie. <laughs> right? It's yeah, like you exactly. have like I don't know, like in Halloween, it feels like there's stakes at some point because early in the movie we see that scene with Michael Myers. We have the build, we know who Michael Myers is even though we don't know who he is, in a sense, right? We see the yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We And we have a motivation, let's say, at the very least. And we have characters that are interesting at some level. Some of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I don't know. They're goofy, but it was a well-made movie. And you and you just, the, the feel, like other than the setting, which the camp was kind of cool, you don't feel the, oh, what's this is probably the right word in movie making. You don't feel the imperative, Right, you don't, no you drive. don't, you don't feel the underlying kind of force of the narrative in 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 this movie at all. I think, and you do in in a lot of the other better movies that we've done. You know, yeah, it's like I could I could totally take or leave this movie because I don't really know why I'm supposed to care about it. Mm-hmm. And there's I think, nothing there's nothing drawing you forward to keep watching. And that's my for... most like deep criticism of it, like in an actual legitimate sense. is like, I, I'd be interested to know actually from film students, what's the word for caring about what's happening in a movie? Like there has to be a word for that in narrative, right? It's called so... giving a shititude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you're making a story or a script or something, a good agent would be like, what's the, mm, right? Like what is the, I don't know, the only word that comes to mind the, is imperative. oomph? Yeah. Yeah. What's Why? The, when it's you read Genesequa. <laughs> yeah. If you're reading the script of Friday the thirteenth, you need an agent to say, Yeah, but why do we care about Brenda? <laughs> right? Why do we care what's happening to Brenda? Why do we care what the killer because is doing? Because she was gonna show body parts. That's why we care. I don't know. Like maybe if you have some scenes somewhere in the first act of the movie where they're even misdirection. We're, we're, we don't even have characters to guess who's doing this, <laughs> right? Like we don't even no. have a who. It's a, this isn't even a who done it. It's a someone's done in it. <laughs> yeah, and we just can't see them. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's it's a fault of our own because we know about the franchise and we know yeah. that it's Jason that we're just so disappointed about yeah. what it ended up being. We're just like Jason. It's Jason. Where's Jason? Give me the Jason. And then I want some Jason. There was no Jason. And there's no Jason. We're Jason that dream. Yeah. And he, and he had, what? <laughs> uh, good one. And he had no mask. Sorry, you had it looked like you had a thought though, Billy. I just the way this movie was plotted out was so confusing and disappointing, and it it didn't hold to any of the milestones I was expecting. And again, maybe this was me expecting something from a movie from before the tropes were established. But 
it wasn't even an anniversary really of the 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 first murder like the, the the film opens up in 1958 and we see the counselors and they're all singing around and and having fun and we see two of them sneak off to go you know fool around in a barn or whatever and then they both get killed and we are like okay 1958 awesome maybe it'll be on a legacy year or something and then it cuts to 1980 and no, no, no. It kept to present day. So really, this movie was day. set in 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. It, it cut to present day. So I'm taking year of release as the current, the present day of the movie. So it cuts to, to 1980. And so I'm thinking, okay, 22-year anniversary? That's weird. It's usually a round number that I'm expecting, but whatever. And then even... The first kill is not the incident that spurred Mrs. Voorhees, spoiler, who is the killer, to kill everybody because Jason drowned in the lake a year before that. So we don't even see the original thing that happened in 1957. And so that was what was really frustrating because what I thought and I knew going in that Mrs. Voorhees was the killer. Did you know that, Alex? I, I think by by the end, it, it, it triggered some kind of pop culture like, oh, reference right, in my yeah. brain. That's right. Yes, it, it was Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah. yeah. So I knew that she was the killer, but I I thought this movie was going to be plotted out, and this is maybe just wishful movie writing that I sometimes do when I'm watching a bad movie, mm-hmm. where they have some clues that oh, there's this story about this camper who drowned at Camp Crystal Lake, and he's gone missing, and ever since that day, there's been a curse on this camp and it's not just delivered by crazy ralph who's like literally riding his bike around shouting the word doom over and over again but there's some breadcrumbs for us to follow where what we get was just i don't know a bunch of slices of bread in in the woods it kind of feels like a kind of uninspired pastiche can you, you know, uh, define that word? For just me, like, yeah, I know what pastiche means, but the listeners maybe don't. <laughs> I think it's a word that comes from painting, where it's just okay. kind of like a jumble. Oh, uh, you mean collage? Yes. Well, <laughs> no, I think I yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a painting that isn't really uh, discernible as anything in particular. Modern art. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. So you can have a pastiche that is inspired, I guess, or exciting. I mean, they're they're trying to think of a good example, like the. Pulp Fiction is the movie that comes to mind. It's so scattered. And yeah, there's not, like fit, not, five different random storylines, yeah, right? And, yeah. But there's a through line you can follow if you pay any yeah, there, amount. There's a through line, but it's just, but but the experience of it makes it so much worthwhile. Like, so you can have vignettes and pastiches and All right. unrelated little weird things happening that are charming and, and make for a good experience and, and therefore an enjoyable movie, right? Mm. I mean, I'd say Superbad has pastiche moments where it's like, why is that's why is Michael Sarah singing in that room with that? That's what those I mean. Guys at a it's party. almost like a sketch show. Exactly. Where it's different yeah. sketches drawn together. This movie was eighty percent red herrings, mm-hmm. I think, by volume. And, <laughs> and so, what, what the thing is, was there even a red herring? There's nothing to distract me. I was just like, okay, there's a killer. I think it's Jason. I think there's a killer, and then we have been set up to. There's this town, and there's Crazy Ralph, and there's this expositiony truck driver, and there's Steve Christie, the leader of the camp, who all these people are introduced, and then they're gone. So you're thinking, okay, one of these people that we saw at the start is maybe going to come back. And, oh, no, it's uh, this woman we've never met. For the greater good, huh? Neat. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I just wanted this movie to be hot fuzz. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, even though it's hard to do, if you were to imagine having this movie without the lore of Jason Voorhees, she shows up. Oh, you're the killer? Oh, it's because your son drowned a year before? Oh, and you blame all the counselors forever now for that? Oh. You just don't want Camp Crystal Lake it's, to open it's, up again? It's a total exposition dump that isn't satisfying mm. even as its own exposition. Yeah, yeah. So it's lazy because it's an exposition dump, and then you're like, oh, if that's true, I still don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, okay, so I think that... You know, we debate we debate before we record. Do we do a character rundown? We're not right. going to do that. Do we do a plot rundown? I kind of don't want to do that. But I think we did. We did. I can't remember what movie it was before, but we just did things we liked, things we really didn't oh. like, and just go from there. Sure. So there has to be some stuff we was liked that, about was this that, movie. What movie was that? Now I want to remember. It was, was probably it? an Evil Dead. It wasn't an Evil was Dead. Was it Army of Darkness? It might have been Army of Darkness, but Maybe. I think it was later. Okay, maybe 
go back and listen audience and someone tell me just send me a dm mm. with just the words of the answer and i'll probably respond being like what the fuck are you talking about because i won't remember yeah. asking this question well yeah, the thing yeah, yeah. is the reason we're not going to do a character rundown is because all the characters are boring and tropey but in a boring way boring and in a, yeah and we're not going to do a plot rundown because the plot rundown is <laughs> 90 minutes of random killings where no character interacts with each other and then we find out it's mrs Voorhees and she's doing it because her son drowned and the counselors were negligent right. and then there's someone in there like ah that's a good point like the characters just all missed yeah in, in like the the character who's supposed to be comedic is creepy and weird and not and not by today's funny. standards and yeah way inappropriate yeah well yeah but 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 also that's a given <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah, given yeah. in these movies but just not funny right the the lead i guess lead alice is not compelling but I don't... you know what i picked her for woman who was <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah but boy did she she's not oh god i can't wait yeah i don't know like Lori, I can't wait for Lori to somehow beat Michael Myers. I can't wait for Sydney to beat Ghostface Killer in the okay, Scream movies, right? right? I can't. Okay, so hang on. I'm supposed to have you. You were saying names, and I was like, "What were they in Friday the Thirteenth? Wait, because I Ghost don't Face remember Killer? any of the names. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ghostface Killer is. He's talking about or the, the Ghostface. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Wu Tang Clan. I actually in Scream, I think it's just, is it just called Ghostface? I think it's just Ghostface. Yeah. Okay. okay well. Yeah. Uh, right. The, the, uh, the pairings yeah. of bad guy versus their target is more compelling in those other movies. Whereas in this one, it's just, I don't care <laughs> a, a camera that's killing people. It's just a camera that's killing people. We might as well be doing it, but I don't care. And, and the, our characters that we are supposed to care about are seemingly uninterested in being interesting. Like, it's like Steve is just a kind of a little bit of a weirdo who is, we don't know why he's bought this camp. Right. I guess maybe Mrs. Voorhees told him to or something. He's no, doing he, it for the kids. You he know? brought the camp. And- I wish I could even remember. The, like, who's who's Bill? Bill's the second last to die. I don't know anything about Bill. Bill's the generator guy. He wore a plaid shirt. He he was <laughs> he was the one guy that played uh, Strip Monopoly. He played Strip Monopoly and was boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And-, and also Kevin Bacon was in this film. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Kevin Bacon? That was a big surprise. I like that joke he made about us seeing some back bacon. Yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah, yeah. I did Stunt not, back bacon. Stunt back bacon. <laughs> I did not know that Kevin Bacon was in this movie, so it was very funny to see a very, very little baby wee Kevin Bacon in the truck at the very start. And as soon as they introduced all the characters, we were all sort of joking on the on the viewing area, who's going to die? And we're kind of going down. We're, okay, Ned is not going to die. He's way too abrasive. Or Ned is definitely going to die. He's way too abrasive. Kevin Bacon's not famous enough yet to survive this movie. This girl who's a little bit flirty, she's definitely going to die, you know, and we all sort of picked our, our ones to survive. Yeah. And th- those those are obviously tropes. tropes, but maybe I'm being unfair because those are 1980s tropes, but me looking at it in a 2020 lens, I'm like, those tropes are boring. I don't care. Like, hey, I, don't I don't care that Ned's an asshole. I don't care that, you know... Um, you see, I don't even remember their names. I don't remember their names. They're so boring. I'm so mad. I don't care about them. Like, I really need to take a nap because of how bored I was from this. <laughs> I could see you right. just slouching down You're just getting lower and, and lower and lower. You know how in... I was like, Luke, this is my couch space. You're like, you're slouching into my couch space. And then you started fighting. And I said, I'll turn this couch around if you don't <laughs> knock it off. If you don't knock it off, we're going to watch this movie again right now. We're going to start it again. I've got it for 48 hours. But... It's like how you said you enjoyed watching my reactions when we watched Insidious. It was very fun to sort of get a little check-in on Luke's mental status by measuring the height of your head above the couch. Because <laughs> it was always lower. Oh, he's caring less. Oh, he's caring less. <laughs> oh, he's, li- he's he's fully lying down on the floor now, folks. <laughs> All right. Should we do things we liked first? Yeah, let's talk about some things that we liked. Okay. Get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked parts of this movie i like the setting it was very creepy a camp setting is awesome a camp setting was cool it was uh, kind of wasted but i mean it was, it was very wasted i liked that this movie had a lot of uh, horror movie bingo card moments that i'm starting to call them you know uh, a stranger sort of pulls up in town and says hey i'm looking for spooky manor and everybody in the cafe or gas station stops record scratch and they all look Oh, you want to go to Spooky Manor? No, no, no one goes up to no Spooky Manor. No way, no how. So I like that. And 
I loved just creepy, weird old guy Ralph. I think we should. I think we needed to have more Ralph. More Ralph in this movie. Ralph would have made this movie better. <laughs> do do y'all do? Okay, Ralph. Nice to see you. <laughs> Those are some of the things I like, but I don't want to take them all because I did that the last time we talked about a movie and then Alex was like, I don't have any. You took them all. <laughs> so go ahead, Alex. For for like, for I would say maybe the first half of the movie, I really like those first person kind of camera shots where it's like mm. you think someone's peering around the tree and you kind of see a hand move the tree branch aside. I think when Annie gets into the Jeep at the very start and you don't know who, you actually don't know who she got in with. And in your mind, you think it's Steve because he was driving the same kind of, you know, He's driving Jeep. a Jeep and he had gone off on the road. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, okay, this is Steve. We don't yeah. see the driver, but that's fine. Yeah, so I, I liked how it was implied that it was Steve, but you don't know. So there's that little bit in your brain where like, oh, I don't know who it is. And then you it, Annie ends up being killed by this person that is still unseen. I thought that was pretty cool. And... There were a couple death scenes that were neat, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I liked I liked the Annie scene because I was at that moment still hopeful that it was going to be a compelling story. And having one of the characters who were introduced to and we get a little bit of backstory, you know, she's talking about how she's going to be the cook at the camp and she really likes blah, 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 right? And then she dies right away. You, you know, I, I sat up a little bit straighter in my chair thinking oh nobody's safe in this movie that's cool i wonder how they're gonna oh never mind yeah they just killed them all one by one i was wrong too i thought annie would have lived to the end and she was the first one to die no annie was gone out you lost the bet yeah but i won't take any more luke what, what did you like about this movie there's so many to pick from yeah the setting the camp setting was cool i like that and i think maybe one of the reasons this movie would have been compelling in 1980 potentially is that there just would have been more people going to camp that mm. feels like camp heyday. Yeah. You know, like, like 70s, 80s kind of time. Like Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, yeah. Style. That's like, that's this. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I, this movie had to have inspired some of the Wet Hot American Got Summer. Got to have. And, and things like Sleepaway Camp yep. was another horror movie. The um the clothes I thought were kind of funny. So like the clothes all the counselors were wearing were like, oh yeah, those are camp clothes from that time. Except for the nightgown, right? Yeah. So many short shorts. Yeah, yeah. So many short shorts and i'm leaving uh, all these long pauses of thought in i guess it was a little bit interesting to see we got shots of mrs Voorhees throughout the movie but never her face Hmm. so we see her a body turning into the cabin before ned goes up there to get killed right we see her hand on the curtain on the shower curtain when just before brenda dies and we see her legs when she kills annie so it's it's kind of cool, I guess, to have shots of your villain, but I don't know. It all this, enough. all this buildup didn't have a payoff, so it, it feels wasted, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I liked. I also like Kev, the Kevin Bacon's death. I think his name was Jack. We'll call him Kevin Bacon. That's fine. But I liked his <laughs> kill. I thought that was the coolest one, where he gets he's lying in bed and he gets arrowed through the back, like through the mattress, through the back, and it comes out as chest i thought that was a cool effect mm. that was probably the most the most entertaining kill i would say well it was because the most it was en- of three we saw yeah yeah that was what i was gonna say <laughs> and it wasn't what's her name looking at the shower curtain for a second and then it cutting away and her having an axe in her face and it freeze framing <laughs> just like <gasps> <gasps> dead yeah perfect for a podcast yeah i don't think there was anything else really that was any good <laughs> It was, I was so hopeful. Yeah, I want to see more. And now... Well, honestly, this movie makes me want to watch more of the Friday 13th franchise. Oh, that's good. Because I, I want to see Jason. I want to see Hockey Mask. <laughs> I want to see what he actually does. There was none of that in this movie. There's and it no just Jason. makes me curious about what actually people like about this franchise. Because I'm going to I'm gonna take a shot in the dark out here. But if I were to ask like Friday the 13th franchise fans, hey, which, one's, which Friday the 13th was your favorite one? I'm sure very few of them would say this one was. Yeah, I, you can't I have would, a, a like a cultural icon of Jason Voorhees with his machete and his hockey mask when he's not even in when the he's movie. not even in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like having a Halloween movie without Michael Myers. Oh, oh. <laughs> he was in season of the witch. <laughs> he was on the TV twice. Uh. <laughs> there was see there wasn't even in between like, commercials. a cool 
to be determined kind of I'm guessing not, but it would have been cool if there was a hockey mask in the cabin. You're wanting to have a, a post credit sting yeah, in this movie yeah. where he gets a hockey mask and he gets a machete and Nick Fury is there somehow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's That'd just, be good. I'm just very, very disappointed. Yeah, I agree, though. I want to see more Friday the 13th because I want to see this villain that has so much clout. I feel like, okay, the appetite is whetted. Let's bring it on let's see some more imagine if you never saw darth vader in a new hope <laughs> right? right well you wouldn't have seen empire strikes back if that was the case yeah like that that's how i feel <laughs> You're about no this sequels it's like, without vader when you think star wars villain you go oh darth vader yeah he's so right badass. but then imagine if a new hope came out and there was never darth vader and then you had you were so excited to see star wars because of this really iconic villain well it was halloween 2 that we did i liked it i didn't like it oh uh, yeah that, that was makes what sense. it was <laughs> but you know what actually probably Enough people liked Friday the 13th to make more. Yeah. Because this has been the only you movie know, I, they had to base any see, sequels I on. I want to see the, yeah, the, the little line that Alice says at the end when she's in the hospital where she says, a boy attacked me in the lake. And the cops are saying, there was no boy. No one was out there. You're dreaming, whatever. And she says, then he's still out there. That was, I guess, the sequel bait. Of course. To have us want to see. Oh, is but like, did the cops not see her? They were already there watching her. She, they would have seen a, a kid jump out of the water and grab her and pull her into the water. So did right? that not happen? Yeah, and it doesn't. So. and it and it doesn't. There's no supernatural stuff in it until possibly this zombie, you know, Lady of the Lake situation in Jason Voorhees, right? Who who jumps out of like before everything else is just serial killer and. Then mental health issues when we meet Jason Voorhees' mom, who is clearly having a split personality situation where she's talking as Jason, saying, kill them all, mommy, kill them, kill them, kill them. And she's like, I'm gonna, Jason, don't worry. And that isn't even, I didn't read that as supernatural. I read that as she is suffering. She's had a huge trauma that she hasn't been able to process. And nobody went to therapy in the 80s, so of course... Well, of course it was yeah, it, well, it or felt, the 50s. <laughs> it felt like reverse psycho, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, you know. Instead of Mrs. Mrs. Bates being up in the attic. Yeah. It was uh, Norman. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. And then, okay, if we're even going to take the movie serious at face value, how did she kill all these people? She's clearly at least in her mid-50s. And we're talking about uh, people in their tw- early 20s. At the very least, she's not going to be able to overpower these people very easily. Well, that's why I think her kills were kind of ingenious if you take it from her standpoint. She's not going to be able to overpower them. So she is relying on stealth and singling people out and separating them from the group. And that all made sense from her standpoint because obviously she wouldn't be able to take him on as a group. So, sure, she gets the axe ready and she can swing it down and get him. But it still lost any of the drive and the interest because we had none of the other characters reacted to their friends being killed well if if i'm gonna cut this movie any slack i will say that it was her being a unthreatening older lady that probably gave her that advantage because puts you out and you're off your guard well yeah yeah because there were there were two instances in the movie where the characters weren't scared when we first person view her you know like when when the we as the audience are her first person perspective the very first one is when she walks up in the 1958 scene when those two teens are making out in the attic or whatever and she walks upstairs and they're like oh we weren't doing anything like we weren't doing anything don't worry right so if if two kids saw like a lady in a sweater they would probably not be like "Ah," (laughs) well except that she stabs them so they would have seen her holding a knife yeah well no well it was like i don't know maybe she was hiding it behind her back we can't like i'm cutting this movie as much slack as i can give it Uh, it's too much slack too much slack all right i'm not a good uh and and both well no i mean i understand what you're doing and then and then like the the scene where she kills steve when yeah those make sense oh it's you both annie and marcy get full looks at her while she's holding a weapon trying to attack them and it's just the human instinct in me is like really you're gonna go make a stupid face and let you get yourself axed in the face or you're going to be like a 19 year old girl looking at a woman in her mid to late 50s with a knife in the forest and she's going to be able to be faster than you and overpower you well there's flight flight or stupid face (laughs) right 
And I guess <laughs> the fear states. I guess I mean we didn't see Ned's death, so I guess she could have surprised him. But still, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a knife and you attack someone who's unsuspected of you, you're probably going to be able to get him. I can buy that. Like, yes, but that's what I'm saying. There were at least four characters, the two counselors at the start of the movie, and Annie, and what's her name? Marcy. <laughs> no, Marcy. Oh, Marcy. That would have seen yeah, Statistical her. anomaly. I wonder, I wonder, though, you know, having never, thankfully, never been in a situation where somebody has a weapon drawn on me, I can't for sure say I wouldn't freeze, you know? Right. Maybe the adrenaline that's, will kick in. Freeze is a very natural response for some people. And you run away, and I think if, if because this lady is so you know, matronly and looks so nice and pleasant that seeing the juxtaposition of her suddenly brandishing a knife, I can see you being like, whoa, 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 wait, what's that? And, and the confusion being a long enough time to allow her to get the upper hand and stab. But you're right. The way they filmed it was shot of knife, shot of character's face, eyes widen, shot back to knife, <laughs> shot back to character's face. What are you doing? Right. Shot back to knife. Step. Well, yeah, and I mean, the, the thing is true. None of the characters in this movie had any guile at all. They're just, oh, our generator stopped. Sonic boom. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, like to think about I this. better keep the lights off while I go search why this generator isn't working. Oh, my gosh, it's pouring rain, and I haven't seen my friends. Probably there's no problem. Wow. <laughs> Be <rude>. smarter. <laughs> Baraka. Sorry, you said a Street Fighter name. <laughs> Add one in. <laughs> you said guile. He's oh. Sonic Boom. I was trying. Is to Guile a Street Fighter character? Yeah, yeah. he's oh. the guy with the big bowl haircut. Oh, okay. Like the big he's the army guy, haircut. right? Guy. Ah, yes. Yeah. M Bison. There. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just nothing made any sense in this movie. Yeah. Okay. What are some things we did not like? <laughs> are we okay? Uh, do we do we want to repeat the last thirty minutes? I don't know. We got... Okay. Actually, I have a specific thing that irked me a bit and it's this movie isn't the only culprit most of the movies from this era have this issue but this movie flaunts its absurdity in this realm is that i don't know for some reason either script writers or directors thought that the way people talked to each other was that everybody's response happened the millisecond someone else finished talking or sometimes even before they were done talking yes that's what's happened with a fully fledged Smart ass response, ready to go. You would say that, wouldn't just, you? <laughs> just at every moment that didn't really make sense, even. It's like, no, in real life, you take like a couple seconds often, almost always, to digest what someone says so you have a, an appropriate, thoughtful response. Now, yes, you can chalk some of it up to the fact that young people aren't as thoughtful in the way that they talk to each other. That's true. But I just, I found linguistically unnerving and unnatural how they talked to each other in this movie no one just re- no one just has a quip ready to go every single time it's the very, half second you're done talking it's very sitcom-y where they're, they're they've got a script and they you know they pause for laughs and they say their their one-liners and whatever and it doesn't it does not feel organic and you've brought this up a lot of times in these movies that we've done pre-1990s i'd say <laughs> yeah that the dialogue writing in movies of this era was just not very good. No. And just not very natural and didn't feel of all of the things real. that pull that pull me out of my sus- suspension of disbelief, it's often the dialogue and script in in these movies. And it only gets worse the farther back you go in time. I recently watched the 1934 Bela Lugosi or 1933 Bela Lugosi Dracula movie and let me tell you about some bad dialogue, Luke. If you didn't like this stuff, oh, Jesus. It just, yeah, I don't think they knew how to write for people. And it seemed a big carryover from maybe radio plays that like hung on or, or stage stuff Yeah, like almost. you have to kind of overact, right? Just a lot of overacting, a lot of really, really big, broad, you know, statements and movements. Not realizing that film just overemphasizes all of your behavior and movements already so yeah yeah it just pulls me out when i say like no that's not even that's not even that people not like me don't talk like that like psychologically humans don't communicate in that manner so why are you why are you making all these movies that make it seem like they do you know i do have another thing i'll say i liked and that was 
the I don't remember the actress's name who played Mrs. Voorhees, but she when she was delivering Betsy Palmer Betsy Palmer when she was delivering her lines and her exposition as sort of ham-fisted as it was I thought the actress did a pretty good job of playing that she was demented in some way and I thought she she looked like she had crazy eyes she she had this very sweet smile that was meant to be disarming but it was very predatory and so I think she did a really good job of portraying this lady as someone who's putting themselves out there to be a person you can trust but no 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 don't trust this person no matter what and yeah so i think hats off to her yeah i i think she did yeah like in terms of actually acting the character itself i think she did a really good job the character though because of the way the film is it just didn't have a good payoff which is why it probably diminished her job or the way that she did it but yeah i agree with that um, and then she gets her head cut off. Yeah. <laughs> so she's not even coming back for the next one. Okay. I thought of something I didn't like about this movie. Just one thing, hey? And this is probably my least favorite part of the movie. All right. Let's have it. All right. Get ready to... Future Billy, get ready to lower this part of the tape by several decibels. <laughs> How the hell did Alice's single nail hold up that entire <laughs> eavesdrop? That was bullshit. Okay. She's holding this entire eavesdrop. <laughs> Steve comes to help her to support it up. She puts in one fucking nail and it holds the whole thing up and they let go. And it's just like, oh yeah, I guess it's just pinned there. It's not even drooping on the sides. Are you kidding me? It's foreshadowing for the future nonsense. That was stupid and I hated it. <laughs> it was pretty dumb. Um, it was pretty dumb. That was, okay, yeah. And in that scene, there's other stuff to hate. Aside from the the... You know, suspension of disbelief. The magic eavesdrop. <laughs> the setup of Steve and Alice as having some sort of romantic inclination. They they set up this. They they put this piece of character development where she's sketched him. You know, at a campfire or whatever, and there sounds like maybe they were together and maybe they're not, and they're breaking up or whatever. And they inject this sort of romance into this thing that has no payoff it doesn't it never comes back steve and alice are not on screen again after that point and why it's just needless pipe laying that doesn't go anywhere which kind of frustrated me a lot and that happened i mean that happened with most of the characters to give them a trait if you will where you know ned was seen as this guy who is a big jokester and likes to play pranks and you know he's always pulling japes on people and he pretends to be drowning so they rescue him so he can kiss the girl who's giving him out the mouse because i guess he was really a big fan of the sandlot <laughs> but then his stuff never comes back so they they lay all these roads to here is this character straight here is this character straight oh they're dead they're dead they're dead you don't see that person but they're dead this guy's gone forever and it's just why why did we have to see that you know ned was always being a joker why did we care that kevin bacon's character could fix a generator when it doesn't have any bearing on the plot and all this stuff I wanted to come back and mean something and it didn't. Really, the first 70 minutes of this movie could have been done in 10. It was just long, long exposition, long, long, needless character, quote, unquote, development. Too much rain. I like the rain. The rain was cool. I, good rain. I did mention that. Uh, you I think, like rain on light, light, like, light beams. Like the flashlight going through the rain. That looked cool. When you were little, did you ever play lightsabers with it? Or it was steamy? Oh, yeah. Light, light, All the time. Uh, flashlight beam. There's <laughs> like a lot of gratuitous body parts. Yeah, there's a couple of gratuitous body parts. Showing off. For... I mean, it's it's an 80s movie. Yeah, I know. But it's I mean, definitely it's a teen like. Movie. You definitely, yeah, that's what it is. It felt way more like a teen. They had like to attract romp, some people to the More than a theater, horror right? movie. So they're like. Hey, you get some back bacon, you get some... You get one boob. You get one boob, you get some crack. Not crack cocaine, more like butt crack. <laughs> Thanks, yes. Alex. Hey, no problem. Hey, there was some grass. <laughs> was that that cop? Oh, my God. <laughs> what was that cop thing? Yeah, there's so many characters. Like, the cop that that's comes just bad, the... film, that's <laughs> bad filmmaking and storytelling. Why is that cop there? That doesn't pay off later in the movie at all. We got to see him do it. No, the exposition was we're looking for Ralph. That was it. That was his job. He, he was there so, to set up that Ralph was going to be there. And then yeah. later, Ralph is hiding in the closet or the food pantry and just being all. Do, do cops go around just looking for citizens who are like a little weird? Is that something cops do? I think they mentioned later that he had a wife. 
And so she had called in. There's a, a scene later where yeah, Steve that. was yeah. being driven by the cop and he was saying, oh yeah, crazy Ralph's at it again. His wife is pretty upset that he was missing. So again, I think in this universe, Mrs. Crazy Ralph, fair, whose name is Sandra we'll right. call her. or whatever. Sandra calls the cop station, says crazy Ralph is missing. The cops say, you probably shouldn't call your husband Crazy Ralph, but we get it. They go looking for for him, and Crazy Ralph is always talking about Crystal Lake, and it sounds like maybe he's been spotted up there at the time, so that cop was, all right, you know what? I'll check out Crystal Lake because that's where he usually goes. Oh, look, there's all these teens here. I better interrogate them to see if there's any Mary Juana. All right. That just, motorcycle cop was ridiculous, though. So dumb. Well, he and was he like a... do a really bad turnaround. In the... <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you putting on a show, okay? Are you trying to be evil Knievel? Why do you have to, like, go down the road 50 feet and make a little U-turn? Can't you just U-turn on the spot where you are? It's because the stunt driver. Ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was a pretty ridiculous movie, and we could spend the entire rest of our lives talking about parts we didn't like about it. And I think, you know, this is a bonus episode. We could we could even call it and wrap it up and sort of <sighs> say one more final thing and head to an editing booth with it, <laughs> which is this chair here that I'm putting in. Right. <laughs> uh, Not everybody at once. Please, 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 please. No, I think I'm too emotional. emotional there drained. are several movies, maybe all the movies in this genre that are better than this one. So watch all of those before you, you watch saying, this one. Oh, okay. In the genre, not in our podcast catalog. No. Would you say this is the worst movie we've done? <laughs> no, I'm going to stick to it. I don't care what the stats say. Army of Darkness is worse than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's our most downloaded episode. <laughs> I, I, man's got to have principles, damn it. <laughs> Look at that hill you're dying on. <laughs> I will die on it. I take my fiction real seriously. That was a shitty movie. But this one, this one might be number two. This might be, this one and Halloween 2, I think, are tied probably for my second. I, I'd say that it, this one's definitely close to the bottom of the barrel. I will, yeah, I'd say that this one was definitely in my bottom three. I'd say Army of Darkness, Halloween 2, and now Friday the 13th, part one. Right in the bottom, and I, I would be interested in seeing what the what the chronology looks like if it is if it is just sequel after sequel after sequel, or if there are reboots at some point. Is there a redone version of Friday the Thirteenth where they retcon the first movie? They retcon the first movie <laughs> and just do a just do a, a pure reboot. I would be interested to to see if that happened. Okay, let's talk about the scariest part, because or the the part that was the most startling for everybody. I wasn't scared at all in this movie, but. I guess the most startling part was probably when Alice closes the generator door and sees Bill hanging on the door and with arrows. So many arrows. Yeah. Which I thought Brenda was going to get arrowed because she was the one who got arrowed or almost arrowed by Ned Ned earlier. So I was like, okay, Brenda's going to die by arrow. That's Very dangerous archery. Luke was unhappy about it. Oh yeah. Would you have fired him there, right there? Oh yeah. You you're not getting back on that archery range at at all, bro. With that kind of, you're gonna hurt somebody. Those are arrows. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. He got what was coming to him. He died. Yeah. So no. Bill, dead reveal was yeah. the scariest bit for you. I think if I was a 1980 audience watching this movie for the first time, probably the most startling part would have been the end with Jason jumping out of the water. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I true. think that would have actually been pretty surprised because even tonally it was a little different from the rest of the kills there weren't a lot of jump scares otherwise and it was nice piano music kind of playing in the background too. exactly so but the thing is i've watched enough youtube top 10 lists on things to know that that scene happens so i wasn't surprised at all but i guess really to a modern sensitivity the scariest part of this movie was ned's character because that was an insensitive bastard (laughs) yeah he was just a dick and cringy as the kids say he was real cringy he was so cringe (laughs) yeah the scariest part and i tried to to take myself out of the mindset of the audience member who is seeing everything happen and can understand the plot such as it is in and try to imagine myself in alice's shoes who was scared once she started realizing people were 
dead people were missing when she was the only one left and she was looking around i was like okay what would it be like to be in alice's shoes right now how would that be scary and i tried so hard but i couldn't i couldn't get into it there there wasn't enough to draw me all the way in so yeah i would say this movie was not scary for me this movie would have been or this event would have been scary for the people in camp crystal lake that it happened to but the most startling part was definitely jason popping out and attacking alice in the canoe just because it was all gross and weird looking and it, pretty moldy so many questions is he living at the lake does he like it down there is he a zombie what's happening is he a zombo you know what 20, 22 years movie? in a lake will make your skin wrinkly so should we rate friday the 13th if we have to what are we gonna rate it out of out of five fucking stupid eaves troughs? No. <laughs> about, about, I don't like that one. Out of how many nails actually need to go into an eaves trough? <laughs> uh, the, the, okay, out of the proper amount of nails to put in an eaves trough. Uh-oh, this is going to be really bad because now you have to give it lots. <laughs> Ooh, right. good trick. Let's do it out of invisible Jason Voorhees hockey masks to come. <laughs> this movie was very bad and almost a waste of time. If it wasn't for this podcast, it definitely would be a waste of time. 0. 0.5. 0. Very, 0.5. Very, very bad movie. Wow, wow, wow. Alex? Yeah, I, so I, I, I'm trying to think like a little bit more critically and less emotionally. And, you know, Maybe like in emotions. terms of like, I don't know, Do n- nostalgia's sake. Was this movie influential to the slasher genre at all? But then uh, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out before this movie. And they are far, far, far 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 superior movies than this so i felt Six like as this movie did not bring anything new to the slasher genre it was boring i was bored it made me a little bit angry albeit irrationally <laughs> it made you a lot bit angry yeah Alex. okay maybe i'm a lot bit angry so i'm gonna give it a lot bit 0. 0.45 out of <laughs> five invisible Voorhees mess oh wow wow yeah i did not like this movie it was not a good setup. I'm happy I picked the one person who was going to survive to the end. That filled me with a little bit of pride. As soon as Alice was the last one left, I sat up and in my head thought, oh, I win. But then I didn't want to jinx it because <laughs> I thought it could be could cut. But yeah, I will answer the next question in this answer and say I'm I'm not watching this movie Well, you didn't again. even rate it. And I am giving this movie, I know I'm not rating it, I'm giving this movie a zero out of five. Wow. <laughs> just no score. You're always just trying to one down us, eh? <laughs> well, Everyone's trying to one down me today. <laughs> 0.5 down you and uh. 0.45 down you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't watch this movie, friends. Don't do it. I mean, maybe Listen watch it. Episode. Maybe watch it so that you might understand why Kay. I'm so angry. <laughs> Well, this movie's a double disappointment because it's a bad movie and it doesn't even have the thing that we went into it for. Yeah. Right? So Happy birthday, Danica. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see at least, even if there's a different Friday the 13th that's a bad movie, at least it has Jason with a machete in a a mask doing Jason things, right? Maybe listeners out there recommend us which next Friday the 13th movie to watch. Please give us one that has Jason Voorhees in it. Wouldn't that be just the greatest internet, pre-internet scam ever to have built build this like cultural motif around this amazing horror movie character that isn't in any movie? <laughs> He's just like, he, he exists. Exist. He exists in like forums and chats and like, whoa, that's like Jason Voorhees. Are but you he's saying, like, hang on. He's like banksy like Banksy made him up or something. Are you saying he is the horror movie equivalent of Maris from Frasier where we don't ever get to see th- the character. I suppose so. I suppose so. <sighs> so would both both no, of you no, watch this one? I no. would not watch this again. Luke? No. How much would it cost to get you to watch this movie again? I mean, for the money that I would be paid, I would suggest doing something else. <laughs> We'd go, we could go do something else. <sighs> so good. I love this podcast. What are we going to cheer? What's something we can cheer? There's a little bonus cheer. A little mini cheer. Cheerio. Uh, even though it'll be three weeks later when it's hard, uh, tomorrow I am carving pumpkins at work. Woo. So that will be fun. That will be fun. I'm excited about that. Leave them on the nightstand. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what are you cheering? Yeah, I kind of talked to you about this earlier. Was I just, I don't, I think I was definitely very sleep deprived over the weekend. And we are recording this on a Monday. Spoilers. 
So I I had a lot of Monday the nineteenth. <laughs> I got I got a good night's rest, and then I only worked half the day, so I went home and napped, and I'm feeling a lot better. And I thought I thought I was getting sick, which it turned out I was just sleep deprived. I feel I feel fine. Nice. I just needed a little 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 winky winky nappy nappy winky. You know what? I could have slept for this movie and would have <laughs> said the same thing. No, you would have missed your favorite scene, the eavesdrop repair. <laughs> That's my cheer. Ah, uh, yay. I'm cheering that this is a bonus episode because it's very fun and I think it'll be a nice little surprise. I hope that it is enjoyable to listen to even though we kind of shit all over this movie. <laughs> in no, no, no correction, Billy. This movie shit all over itself. <laughs> we did none of the shitting. But I'm I'm really liking it and I hope that people are enjoying listening. I As, as we speak and hopefully by the time this movie, uh, this episode comes out, we will have crossed the 2000 play mark of our podcast and just my cheer is absolutely every single one of our listeners who make time to listen every week and to hear our dumb voices talk about movies they have or haven't seen so i'm absolutely cheering the fans and special extra bonus shout out to danica and every other person listening this is only a coincidence we probably won't do any more birthday shout out (laughs) but but happy birthday to everybody whenever it's your birthday (laughs) <laughs> really covered your bases there here's a here download this episode and save it until your birthday so that you can hear us say happy birthday to you happy birthday from nothing to fear well thanks billy <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> or a happy very own birthday to me to you to us <laughs> uh yeah so this is a little bit of a shorter one we we don't have a review or anything we'll save that for the main pod but if you would like to leave us a review, please hit us up on Apple Podcasts. It's the best place to leave us a review. We, we see it. Again, if you are in the States and you've left us one, I cannot check those. Send them to me on our Instagram or email us. Nothing to Fear Podcast is our handle for Instagram and email. Nothing to Fear P1 is our Twitter. And you can also get in contact with me at Billy by Design on Instagram. Billy is spelled with an IE and there are underscores between the words. And... Yeah, you can catch new episodes of Nothing to Fear every single Monday, and sometimes Friday, if it's the 13th, (laughs) at about 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. So with that, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend, and don't worry, it's just movies. There's nothing to fear. Hey listeners, it's Billy jumping in at the end of the episode here to say I forgot to thank the people who helped make this show work. And I can't, I can't put an episode out without that. So thank you, Alex, for writing the music every week. It's not every week. It's amazing. Thank you to Katie Rogers for designing the logo. It's so great. You can check out her work at put underscore that down. And I also wanted to take a moment to announce that we have a new design in our merch store. And I'm very, very excited about it. It unveiled at the start of this week. So if you're listening to this the day it was released, you can go check it out right now and order it. It is a design based off of our accidental catchphrase from, I think, episode four. The (laughs) Alex said that daytime is safety. And that gave me an idea. I contacted... My good friend Madison on Instagram, who is a graphic designer, and you can check out her page over at Makeshift Madison. I commissioned her to design something based on the daytime is safety theme. And what she designed, what she drew based on my very brief idea was so fun and so adorable and so cute. I can't wait to see it in the real world. And it's available now. It is this very colorful scene of a bunch of horror movie villains all having fun on a playground in the daytime because daytime is safety. It is seriously the stinking cutest thing. You can get it in full color. You can get it in a line drawing version and you're going to want to grab one of these. They are going to look awesome. Thank you, Madison, for designing it. So if you want to know who's on the t-shirt on the design, you got to go check it out on the store. That's our Public store. Go to tpublic.com. Look for our store. You should be able to find us. If you can't, our link is in our Instagram bio over on the Nothing to Fear podcast page. So please, please, please go check that out. I think you'll like it a lot. And finally, I have a little stinger right at the very, very end of this pod that is, <laughs> it's a gigantic spoiler for the movie Knives Out. So if you don't want the movie Knives Out to be spoiled, I know it's a pretty recent movie, maybe stop listening after this is done. I will give you a couple seconds 
and then you will be spoiled. But if you go past this point, it's on your own head. All right, that should have been enough time for everyone to go away and enjoy the end of the episode. Bye. Look, the only villain I want to see in a sweater is Chris Evans' character in Knives Out. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big spoiler for that movie, Billy. Maybe cut that out. I will put a disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, big, major spoilers.